poker's legendary champions, next generation stars, and tireless ambassadors of the game, sharing their wisdom and guiding your journey to high achievement on the green felt. This is Philosophical Friday on Chasing Poker Greatness with your hosts, Brad Wilson and Duncan Palamortis. Welcome, 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 my friend, to the Chasing Poker Greatness podcast. As always, this is your host, the founder of ChasingPokerGreatness.com, Coach Brad Wilson. Today is a very philosophical day. I'm not sure how today's show is going to go. I'm quite nervous in anticipation. Duncan, my co-host, Philosophical Friday. How are you doing, sir? I'm doing well. Would you say you're a little bit uncertain? I, I am a little bit <laughs> uncertain, in fact, um, <laughs> which segues nicely into today's topic. You, you can break it down for the listener. For sure. Yeah. So um, one of the villagers, Ben, uh, who's a you know, frequent contributor uh, in, the, in the forums, had uh, an excellent question. And uh, his question was, you know about uncertainty you know what is uncertainty you know how how do we uh, deal with uncertainty where does it show up in poker uh, how does it affect um, the game uh, can we use it to our advantage and, and questions like that and of course i'm paraphrasing i'm adding a little bit uh, and and to be fair this is a question that has been uh, i know in your mind for a long time and in my mind too like this is a the question that we've been thinking for a very 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 long time because um, poker, uh, and it, it's part, I should say, of what we would call variance, right? I mean, all of these fluctuations that sometimes, you know, we do one thing and um, a, a, an unexpected response happens. And that unexpected response can be either in the form of our opponent does something we wouldn't expect, uh, or perhaps the deck brings something that uh, uh, we, we, we wouldn't expect. Of course, you play this game long enough, you start to expect the unexpected, but there was a time where, you know, we were surprised that, uh, I guess, uh, you know, our, our flush lost to a full house or something like that, you know, when we were starting out. So there's always things surprising at some point, and, uh, and, and uncertainty basically creeps in everywhere is what I'm getting at. For sure. Yeah. So starting out this conversation, right, the, the first question is, what is uncertainty? Right. right. If we try to distill it down to nuts and bolts, what what is uncertainty exactly? Right. So uh, uncertainty is uh, probably the, the easier way to understand uncertainty is by understanding the opposite of it, which would be uh, a deterministic outcome, an outcome which is uh, always the same or expected or it doesn't fluctuate. So. Um, I, we can think of uncertainty as the uh, fluctuation of a certain outcome. Um, for instance, uh, you, the, I guess the, the easiest way is you flip a coin, you're uncertain on whether the coin is going to uh, uh, land on, on heads or, or tails. But if you were to record this, if you were to record you flipping the coin, and then you record the flipping of the coin, and the coin comes up out, out heads, let's say, and now you play the, the tape backwards, there is no more uncertainty anymore. When you play the tape again, you know it's going to land on, uh, what did I say? Did I say head or tails? I don't even remember. I can't remember. <laughs> <laughs> but it's going to land. It's gonna I'm land certain on, it's going to be one of those. <laughs> it's gonna, that's exactly right. So that's actually another form of uncertainty. You know, like our memory 
um, is it, it's funny that happened because actually our memories also create uncertainties. They can be we can have a certain outcome, but just because our memory is vague on something, it creates a certain amount of uncertainty. So it's basically any deviation from something that would otherwise be standard. Any for any form of noise, any form of fluctuation, any form of discrepancy of what we otherwise consider a straightforward path. Not a straight path, but a straightforward path with no deviations. Yeah, it's it also creates certainty sometimes, like with the Mandela effect, when there is not certainty, right? We're convinced that something happened, but the reality was that it didn't happen that way, or you know, right. a scene didn't happen in a movie that we just have always imagined or very certain that it did, right? That's um, exactly so, right. Yeah, memory can be fallible. Uh, Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly correct, and that creates for an interesting for an interesting dynamic. I mean, you mentioned movie, and you know, in one of the previous uh, podcasts, you know, like I I was I was convinced that you know Fat Thor was in Ragnarok, and as a matter of fact, he he wasn't. So that's again like all of these uh, all of these fluctuations from um, from the actual uh, they're a form of uncertainty. But another type of uncertainty is, I mean, you have a deck of cards. And we're going on the turn, and we're uncertain as to what the turn card is going to be. So it doesn't, uh, the uncertainty doesn't only come in the form of um, vagueness, right? It can just be multiple possible outcomes. So sure. any anything that any, any basically any mental or physical or any sort of path that it is not straightforward. So it can be A or B or C or whatever um, that has a, a, you know, uncertainty baked into it, which, you know, makes sense in poker too. Yeah. So there's the micro aspect of uncertainty, which is like an individual hand to hand basis and then action to action basis. And then uh, villain specific and board run out specific um, uncertainty, like you're playing defensive on the river and villain, villain has a spectrum of bets to choose from. Uh, you don't know exactly which one they're going to choose um, or villain just, you know, you check and they like forex the river. Right. And, and mm-hmm. so that's something that you were not expecting. So there's a lot of uncertainty, especially like when you're playing defensive, um, even on the other side, when you're like all in on the river as a bluff uh, and you have the sweat, right. There's still uncertainty, right. As to whether or not villain is going to call or fold. Um, Absolutely. And there's also uncertainty in you don't know what it it also means. You know, be, typically, you know, a specific bet sizing may mean something for the population, but for that specific villain may mean something else. On this so, specific run out in this specific situation, given all, you know, the preflop formation, the preflop action, the, the flop texture, all, you know, the all of these data points, right? So exactly. Yeah. Um, I guess the, the, the first question that, you know, you were asking like a what is uncertainty? And yes, these are all facets of it. Um, the mac, like I said, the macro is going to be like your, you know, day-to-day session results, your week-to-week session results, your month-to-month session, your year-to-year, your overall career lifetime results playing poker. Um, we don't know what those are. Right. And yeah. So, you know, we wanted to touch on like, is uncertainty a thing basically, right? right. That, that was right. one of the things in, in our- Right, is it present in life and, and in poker? Is, is it something that, uh, you know, happens or is it something that just because poker players happen to have it a lot, we just sort of like bias thinking that uncertainty, oh, you know what, there's so much uncertainty in poker, but it, uncertainty doesn't exist in real life. You know, it's not something that- Yeah, I mean, it exists like all the time, right? Like yesterday, here, here's a good example of uncertainty, right? Like um, I didn't get good sleep right? Like I didn't get good sleep. I didn't know if I could perform well doing this podcast episode. So we had to postpone. 
right? So like, you know, we don't know how we're going to sleep. We don't know how, you know, you eat food at your favorite restaurant. And then like, you don't know whether or not you're going to get food poisoning. You don't know how, if you're going to get indigestion, you don't know if you're going to catch a cold from somebody that you're, you're in the restaurant with. Right. So like, you don't know when you're turning out of your, uh, house or complex or whatever, you're going to get T-boned by some, by an erratic driver. You know, I, I read an article, somebody was driving the wrong way on a highway, right. And just, smashed into another car and multiple fatalities, right? So there's uncertainty when you pull on to the highway as to whether or not it's some, somebody who is just going to be going the wrong way and smash into you, right? So like, I would say that in every facet of life, almost every action that can be taken, there's uncertainty. Absolutely. And to double down with this, I mean, we wake up, if we knew exactly, we wake up in the morning, right? I mean, if we knew exactly how the day was going to go, uh, we, we might as well, you know, be, be bored with it, right? I mean, like the, why live the day, right? But the thing is that every day is has an exciting aspect to it because exactly we don't know how it's going to turn out. Or same thing, we want to hang out with a friend. If we knew how the meeting was going to go, why, why go and do it? I mean, we've done it before, you know, but there's always this aspect. Um, it can be an exciting aspect. It can be a scary aspect depending on the situation. Like you said, I mean, you go out on the, well, on the street. Is you it drive the it. situation or is it framing? It, no, I, it, I think that like fra framing plays a role. I mean, sort of excluding the danger side of it where you get, you know, just smashed in your car, right? That's obviously, it doesn't matter how you frame that. That's going to be a, a really bad outcome. But I think like uh, one thing that sprang to my mind was like coaching sessions, right? I, I'm mm -hmm. never certain as to how they're going to go. I, I used to feel a lot of anxiety before coaching sessions because I, I had this pressure of, we need to find leaks. We need to, you know, I, I need to find things that, uh, influence impact this player, like in this so hour that we have together. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, and there's uncertainty, like in, I haven't seen, um, the full video that they sent me. What if I don't find anything? You know, what if, you know, we don't uncover anything? What if I can't explain something in a way that they can understand? So like even in those, but ultimately, uh, what I find is that the uncertainty in my opinion is I think you were alluding to this before I interrupted you, but an exciting part of life. I think it's the unexpected is kind of what makes life worth living when you don't know what's going to happen. Um, to me, I would hate to know how every single day is going to be exactly when I woke up. That would be just a terrible day. Or when we're going to die, right? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's all about there's certain there's certain things that we, we sort of don't want to know when to discover as as we go, which is part of the reason why we like stories, we like movies and and and, and things like that. And uh, and even if we do something you know repetitively, like uh, seeing a friend or like watching a movie or playing the same hand again, uh, there's always going to be something new and exciting, which is part of the reason why we're doing it, right? I mean, there there is a uh, always an element of surprise that uh, that, that can come to it, and and the. The thing that is interesting about that element of surprise is we don't know exactly how we're going to be surprised. That's another thing too, but we know it happens so frequently. We sort of like, you know, we, do it, we do it anyway. Yeah, yeah. exactly. We, we anticipate that there's going to be something surprising um, because they, you know, the opposite is also true. When we sometimes get into, you hear people say that all the time, like getting into these situations where their lives feel repetitive in some sense. So that's because the element of surprise, although not 100% eliminated, it has been suppressed, right? So that element of surprise is no longer as vivid and as present as it was perhaps in the, in the past, which, by the way, 
how could that connect to poker? Right, let's talk about poker a little bit. Like, how can one keep the game fresh, you know, so that keep that uncertainty, you know, um, all that surprise, the, the the beneficial part of uncertainty, the surprising factor, the uh, that that factor alive in, in in their games. Yeah, I think it kind of reminds me of my conversation with Lucky Chewy mm-hmm. and on CPG. He was talking about the Magic deck, right? Just like the Magic deck provides almost unlimited possibilities, right? Like what is the magic deck going to give me today? What, what is this turn and river card going to be, right? And I think that framing um, of looking at it as this thing that is has ultimate, almost unlimited possibilities um, that will surprise you um, and, and take you to a place that maybe, you know, you haven't been before, right? I, I think that's just, that, that to me is like a very positive, good framing, that allows him to be curious about situations um, and then to play poker by using curiosity. Uh, and even when like things don't go well, I think curiosity is probably the way that you should uh, follow, uh, you know, should be your guide in your poker career, just because curiosity, you ask questions, you learn um, and, and you investigate. Right. So anyway, yeah, I think Chewy said it best there where, there's uncertainty on the flop. There's uncertainty on the turn. There's uncertainty on the river. It's a magic deck and just kind of embrace this magic quality of the game of poker. Exactly. And, 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 and if you couple that with uh, the investiga- investigative aspect, the curiosity that you're talking about, maybe you can find elements that surprise you too. Right. Sure. I mean, maybe, maybe you will see because you're saying, oh, I mean, I didn't know somebody can actually play that spot that way oh i didn't know you know you can uh, whatever like you know double check raise somebody you know i mean it's funny that you say that because uh just before we fired up this call me john and shu were in a strategy session and we were looking at data points and um you know data point prioritization and just basically mapping out a hand based on our all the thoughts that we had street by street and the first hand that we broke down, you know, one of the things, it was a three butt pot. The flop was six, nine, 10 with two diamonds. Uh, mm-hmm. We were in the cutoff fill-ins on the button. We called the three bet. Uh, flop goes check, check. And there we had some depth, right? And one assumption that we all made was that villains likely capped because they check back the flop, right? Mm-hmm. Um, they're, we did not think they're checking back like seven, eight or their sets. Right. Uh, mostly, you know, probably checking back most of their range. And then has, you said like, two diamonds, right? Yeah, yeah, two diamonds, two diamonds. Okay. Oh, no, just, um, just making sure. Yeah, so so basically, like, they're betting some flush draws, equity-driven mm-hmm. hands, and then some two pairs, some straight, some sets, maybe some backdoor and up flush draw, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Um, so we map out this whole hand with our thoughts on every single street, formulating plans based on past assumptions, right. and we make it to the river, and villain has a the set straight. of tens. Oh, right? a set of tens. Uh, yeah, okay. they, they flop top set, right? Top set, yeah, okay. It's basically, we just made a whole strategy and built out all of our future thought process based on an incorrect assumption sure. that was surprising. I love incorrect right? assumptions. I love incorrect assumptions so much. Like I, I love them so much. It's just, I mean, I, I implore my students to actually make incorrect assumptions. They're so beautiful. Incorrect assumptions is just the best way to improve in this game, but actually having them as opposed to have, to have none. But what an interesting example, right? Because here you have two opposing forces. Like on the one hand you have, Dude, 
I mean, this is a scary flop. You should protect your equity, right? I mean, you should probably be betting your straights and your sets. But then on the other hand, he has top sets. He's blocking the thing that he's getting the most value from, right? So he is in the realm of two opposing situations. Like usually sometimes when people check back monsters, typically it's top set, right? I mean, because it's blocking, it's blocking the, the, the thing that you get the most value from, namely the most combos, which is usually top pair and a decent kicker. So he's blocking all the, all the 10x hands. So he's thinking to himself, well, I might as well just check. So it's a situation where he should be betting with sets, but also he should be uh, sort of like um, uh, if he ever traps, he can just uh, check back sometimes with, with with the top set. So he's sort of like conflicted. So we have that. that this is such a surprise, such an excellent example that you brought. I mean, it's beautiful. Isn't, isn't that a wonderful how, you know, these two things are like fighting each other perhaps in their heads and try to, to see what maybe goes through their minds and then say, you know what? My top set um, is more of a... Uh, slow play, uh, basically, I'm going to concentrate on the fact that I have a slow playable hand versus I need to protect my equity. And for some reason, that part of his, you know, debate won. I, I think it is definitely likely that they would be checking like their overpairs and stuff too to protect protect that part of their range um, okay. at the depth on 6, 9, 10. Like that's just, sure. I assume, sure. I actually assume now that I see that they have 10s that so they're probably checking range back on this board or likely checking checking the majority of their range back if, but, if they're balanced yes i mean you know like do we have an assumption to think that you know this these people uh, the person I, is to be honest cc so let's, let's go back into the realm of uncertainty right like right. this specific player can check back tens but that isn't necessarily representative of the entire population of people that right. you're playing against in a you know a random like 500 no limit zoom pool so right even extra making extrapolations based on this uh, data set of one can also be a mistake just because sure. this one villain, they could be the anomaly, right? That checks right. back range. So right. yeah, e even there, we don't know, right? Which again, like all, all of this is pointing us towards uncertainty, just being just a thing that you most likely just have to accept, right? And I'll let you ask, you know, your your million dollar question, and we can get into uh, some some ways that we can affect that. No, absolutely. I mean, you know, my the one thing that I want to know, and I think a lot of my students want to know, a lot of people want to know, is that uh, Duncan, can we eliminate uncertainty? Is there a whether it's a magic pill or something that we can work really, 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 really hard, whether it's science, whatever it may be, you know, uh, hu huge concentration, meditation, whatever you want to call it, some Zen attitude towards life. Is there any way to eliminate uncertainty? Um, so I would say limiting it to poker, the poker sense, right? Because I think in life, it's just a fact of life. Like there, I, I think like, yeah. Um, but in, in a poker sense, I guess this is, so since it's philosophical Friday, we can go yes, out on like please. a long enough timeline, right? Like on a, in a long enough go timeline, I, I can probably el eliminate most uncertainty. Like I am going to die at some point, most likely in the next, you know, 50 to 75 years, or I guess most likely the next 40. God, it sucks getting older, <laughs> getting closer to those, those years. But I mean, uncertainty on that time. I'm, I'm laughing only because I'm in the same way, right? I mean, it's not it. That's, what else can you do, right? I mean, yeah. Laugh it up. <laughs> la la laugh at it, right? Like, yeah. uh, I'm pretty certain that one day the sun's going to explode. 
and mm-hmm. blow up the earth, which means human civilization is going to be no longer on a long enough timeline. Um, we'll so probably I think, are, are a big favor to have a nuclear war before that. That's true. But yeah. just, just to make sure, you know, that's sure. the curb stomp of humanity right there. Yeah. It's like, okay, like yeah, maybe most of you blew up and did nuclear holocaust. Some of you were underground, but, you know, now we're just going to blow up the, the sun and best of luck surviving that, you know. Um, so I think like these are things that are certain to me is that one day my body will stop functioning um, and that's it. And then my specific life is over. Um, Beyond that, I think in a poker sense, um, you you can't, so you you can eliminate uncertainty, but it's in becoming stronger at the game in knowing like what your preflop strategy is facing, you know, a, a spectrum of different preflop actions and and different formations. Like, so you can eliminate like uncertainty in that way, but you can't eliminate what hand you're going to get. You can't Mm -hmm. uh, eliminate the situations that are going to manifest in your specific poker session, which is one of the reasons that makes poker such a difficult game is that you don't know what's going to happen, right? You prepare um, for a specific situation. You run a sim, you study it for hours and then you play five sessions in a row and that scenario just never comes up. Right. So it's like, great. I was prepared for nothing. Um, a thing that didn't ever manifest. So as, as a side note, hopefully, you know, that study actually helps you with other things which can be neighboring to what you were studying, not that specific scenario, but some other scenarios. So, exactly. so hopefully that was not for not you learn how to, to think and that can be helpful in its own right. Right. Which is kind of the goal, right? The goal is right. to like, uh, upgrade your logic, upgrade your thought process, right. and upgrade your understanding of how these spots should be fundamentally played. Um, Results-wise, you can't control that. You can't eliminate it. I think the only thing you can focus on is your understanding of the spots and um, the actions that you take uh, in those situations. So I think like in that way, you can't eliminate uncertainty um, after you're all in and you're just like fading whatever or you need to hit then you can't eliminate that uncertainty and i don't think you would want to at least i wouldn't want to you know i i want to i want the sweat i value the sweat it's fun to me um so i think the ways to like basically mitigate uh, or lessen uncertainty in poker is just to study grow be a stronger poker player and just be well developed so that you have an idea of what to do in these situations when they arise, because, you know, the time to prepare is the time to prepare. But when you're at the, when you're in the battle, um, you typically don't learn very well and you're not going to perform very well. And so that's not the time to be like coming up with strats when you're in the moment. It's away from the table. Absolutely. And it's a time to act. And there is, this is actually a perfect segue. What you're saying, the time of battle is not a time to learn. Why is that? Because uh, even though, uh, we are faced with uncertainty. There cannot be any uncertainty in our decisions. That's the, the, that's the huge discrepancy. That's the, 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 the birth of meta-humility. Everything around us is uncertain, but we have to decide whether we're going to go left or we can go right. We can't go 70% left and 30% right. That, yeah. That's not how life works. Our decisions are fully deterministic. So there is a discrepancy between the uncertainty of our envir- environment and the certainty of our actions. So we have to find a way 
to actually mitigate this. And that would be the, the, the word that I would use, mitigate, not eliminate. We're not eliminating the fact that we don't know which decision is right. We will never know. However, we can incorporate as much evidence as possible, right? And hopefully we make a decision which more often than not is the right one, or more often than not, it gives us a, desire, a, a, a desirable outcome, which is exactly to your point, why in the battle, in the heat of the battle, we cannot actually be undecided. This is exactly why we need meta-humility. In the time of battle, we have to be super confident, arrogant, if you will. I'm going to go left, and I know this is the right decision based on the information I have right now. That's, that's meta-humility. That's the parenthesis based on the information I have right now. I'm going to go left, and you're not going to change my mind right now. Now it's the moment of action. Measure twice, count once. Uh, cut once, excuse me. Measure twice, cut once. I'm cutting right now. Get out of my head. <laughs> right? It's not a time for me to, to study and to like I'm going, I'm going left. I'm going right. Whatever decision you you, you have to, to 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 make at that at that point. And I think that is very, 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 very important. Yeah. And and, it, and, and, and go ahead. No, you can finish your thought. I was about to uh, just to say something else about like, you know, the the biggest uh I guess we can open it as a new thread, you know, the biggest objection that uh I hear about uncertainty and I just want to follow up with that later, but gotcha. Um, I was going to say like, you know, the quote from Abraham Lincoln, right? Like give me five hours to chop down a tree. I spend the first four sharpening the ax. Right. Like when you go to take the action of cutting down the tree, you don't get to sharpen the ax at that point. You're in there, over. right? It's over. Right. It's over. Exactly. Exactly. And this is, this is, this is very important. I, I think it is, at least to me, that's such an important revelation. You know, that's why I wanted to give it a, a, a special name. When you're acting, when you're saying something, when you're doing something, when you're exercising, there is no time for learning in that moment. You got to act. It doesn't matter how wrong you are at that moment. Embrace your wrongness. In the, 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 That's where meta-humility lives. Understanding that you're so wrong at that point, but you don't care. <laughs> Understanding like my own stupidity, how stupid I am every moment of my life. Accepting that stupidity and still powering through remembering the bottom of my heart back of my head of my stupidity that's that's i think that's the important part of of action because action and the environment are two completely different things and what the environment value? is hazy but the action is very deterministic sorry what do you value more certainty or uncertainty uh it's like it's like asking me are you valuing more your the environment that you live in or are you valuing more your decisions and i would say you know I, I can't choose between my kids, even though I don't have any. Like I would say, I would say that these are both part of of of, of life. We can't have one without the other. I would say. So, and it's um, as I think a poker player, what do you value more? Um, I, I want to put it on on. I want to answer that question. The I, I guess I I don't I don't understand it very well to answer that question, but. Uh, Let's um, l l l let me try to understand it by by following up questions. So, um, do you mean in an, an environment where things are closer to what I'd expect them to be, versus an environment where things are uh, more uh, vague and more hazy would, than expected I, to be? Yeah, I would look at two different examples here, right? Like, so yeah. do you value a situation where, like, you know, you open and you get three bed and you have ace queen, mm -hmm. or I, I mean? you know, something along those lines, or you open and you get three bet all in versus short stack and you have aces, right? Like right. which, which one of those, the, the spots that are like slam dunk, easy, certain, Got it. 
or the ones that you're uncertain about? Okay, that, no, that, that's an easy, easy, easy question for me to answer. And the answer is, of course, I'm going to go with the former, right? Because the, the former, if it's something that um, I'm, uncertain, uh, I'm uncertain about, there's room to growth. Right. And, and for growth, there's room for me to grow. And, and obviously, I want to be in a spot like this because that spot, even though it's going to make me uncomfortable, um, hopefully it's going to make me a better poker player in, in the long run. It's just the reason, you know, I'm always uh, t- telling my wife, sometimes she tells me, you know, why do you play this? Like really hard video games, you know, it's like it's it, you're suffering. It's like, yeah, but I, I get better at it. Okay. You know, I'm learning something. So, yeah, definitely yeah. the former. That that's the answer that I was expecting. Um, yeah. I was trying to lob you up a, a grapefruit um, <laughs> there, <laughs> an no. easy easy softball question, um, but I, I didn't frame it correctly. Uh, but yes, like I expect you to value the uncertainty more from a poker perspective than the certainty, right? right. And I, I think that is atypical compared to the general poker population. I think the general population does not value uncertainty in that way. They value certainty. They want to be sure. They want answers. They want to know what they should do uh, in most situations while they're playing poker. And it can be really detrimental to, you know, their poker journey, I think. Right. To, to be fair, though, and the reason why I'm very careful with this kind of questions is because there's something very subtle there. And the subtle part is if you can actually create a game plan where the second example that you mentioned, the one where you have aces and somebody ships on you, mm-hmm. happens very frequently, I would consider that a victory and a desirable outcome, if you know what I mean. So even though in, in a vacuum, if you tell me which situation would you prefer, the one where you have an easy decision or where you have a tough decision that is going to make you grow, I'm going to say the latter, I'm going to say the second one. There is another question and says, how did I get to these two situations? Because if there is a, an overarching plan that allows us for a lot of the a case A to happen, the one where you have aces and you have easy decisions, that's actually like in, in, in the video gaming world, like having a super build that makes the game easy. If you actually created a super build in a video game where it makes the game easy, props to you because now you have it. You, you know what I mean? Now you have easy decisions. So you were able to mitigate uncertainty in, uh, in, in a great way. Yeah. So, and, and unfortunately, try- the super build in poker, I, I don't think works, right? I, I think it's exactly. a, it's exactly. very de- detrimental, right? Like it's this thought that I'm sure, you know, I've had in my career, especially like sure. in my early 20s, you know, 21, 22. It's like, ah, yeah, maybe tight is right, right? You just knit it up, <laughs> you just uh, avoid high variant spots, and you just play good hands, right? And what ends up happening is you realize, oh, my win rate is totally wrecked, and um, I'm at the sole mercy of like winning hands at showdown. Like When I don't win hands at showdown, I get not just destroyed, but absolutely obliterated and, and demolished, right? right? Um, but but, but to, to be fair, there might be something which is an equivalent of a super build, and that's game selection. Okay. Right. So you can. Like, so there might be things like that. You know. Again, it's 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 a very complicated. It's a very complicated subject, and I would agree with you. Like, there are no easy pills, right? Yeah. But there might be a super build. There, there. Super are, I think there are some private games that are definitely super builds, right? Like, <laughs> I, I think this is the whole like point of private games. These the, the people yeah. that run it and the, that are the gatekeepers of private games is right. It's like, oh, I'm I'm going to get all these guys in here. Like, I'm going to build my hen house, and then I'm just going to walk through the front door. Um, and, and play in this, you know, really juicy plus EV situation. Very good. So to 
to elaborate on your point, right? I mean, and 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 uh, the the idea, like, which would you rather be? You know, like having uncertainty or or certainty. Can uncertainty be used in our favor in any way? Like, how how can we take advantage of? Is there any way we can take advantage of uncertainty? I think off the top of my head. So the first thing that I thought about was, uh, I think you can t- definitely take advantage of uncertainty in other people, which right. is definitely applies to poker where guys just think that an action is good. They're certain of it to the extent that like, you know, think of a message board, two plus two, somebody has an opinion on a situation. Uh, 20 people agree. They all seem very certain that this opinion is the gospel. Uh, And a lot of times in my experience, I have a completely different opinion in these spots, right? Where I think, Hmm, like I'm not exactly certain, but I'm not certain that this is correct, right? And I think that that really hinders most players' ability to learn and evolve. Um, so, you know, how do we use certainty to our advantage? I mean, when we're playing poker with, you know, more certainty as what actions to take, I think it uh, makes it to where we don't carry such a large cognitive load. We don't, we don't have a burden of um, just thinking uh, a lot about situations when we sort of have these things, we're certain that this is how this hand should be played. Um, I think it, uh, minimizes anxiety. Mm-hmm. I think it minim- minimizes, um, central nervous system reactions mm-hmm. to these situations because you have a plan and you're confident that that plan is good for X, Y, or Z situation. So I think that like uncertainty is good in uh, just having more efficient energy usage when you're at the poker table and also for growth as a poker player too. I think it gives you space that allows you to think deeper about the situations that merit deeper thought. Whereas when you invest a lot of energy into situations that, you know, should be automatic um, over an extended period of time, you just wear down to where you're not thinking you don't have the capacity or energy to think deeply in spots that probably merit it. That's, that's, that's very well said. And also, and another thing is that, uh, uh, essentially you alluded to that earlier, the, the idea that uh, if we understand that things are uncertain and we embrace that uncertainty, but our opponents do not, there's actually a very easy way to exploit. And an example of that would be, I mean, there's several examples, but one example of that would be uh, making value bets. Like making a value bet, your opponent might get curious. Is he bluffing? Is he, you know, value betting? But because they cannot handle the uncertainty, they want to look us up, right? That's an, a, 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 obviously a very simplified example, right? I mean, like, it, 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 but it, it, it's the idea that, uh, you know, curiosity can literally like kill the cat in, in, in a spot like this. Well, not literally, but, you know, <laughs> n- n- nearly, nearly, like it's, mm-hmm. it applies here. So, uh, so the embracing uh, uncertainty versus not embracing uncertainty can actually create that discrepancy. The other thing too is like, I, I, I often joke that, you know, when I see irresponsibility in society, like in any way, right? I mean, you know, somebody is like, you know, not returning my calls or, you know, not knowing how to do business or showing up late. I'm thinking to myself, the first thing that comes, comes to mind is there's my edge. Because if there is a person who you know, doesn't know how to do their job right, it means that if you can't do your job right, immediately you're going to be ahead of that, uh, of, of that person in a vacuum, right? Something similar happens to poker. If somebody can handle uncertainty, if you can actually, 
handle uncertainty, then you're going to be one step ahead. That's going to be your edge. That's, of course, ties to the idea of reciprocality from Tommy Angelo. Yeah. So, you know, I, I think when you say that, I, I just imagine like, you know, uh, 70 year old, 60 year old poker players who play cash games and have been playing since, you know, the 80s and have the same style, have never evolved and are very certain that what they're doing is the best way to go. Or worse yet, they've been playing since the 80s and they still haven't changed. Right, exactly, right? (laughs) They're just certain, right? This is how you play. This is what you do. You don't do this. You don't do that. And I think that like poker is just such a ripe uh, ground for experimentation and learning and growth. And, you know, the more that I've learned and I've studied poker, more than most humans that are walking on the earth, the more that I learn, the more I realize I don't know, and the more curious I get, and the more areas I try to explore. So uncertainty has served me well in my poker career, and I wouldn't be where I'm at without uncertainty. Um, So yeah, I think that like, definitely we can leverage uncertainty to our advantage, and we can pit uh, opponent's certainty against them. And I would say that one sort of telltale sign as it relates to the people in your inner network when you're discussing poker is if you're with someone who's very certain about things and they dominate the conversations, you should probably find a different poker network to participate Mm in. I would actually agree with that. You know, there, there's no room for, I would say it applies in everyday life too. You don't want to be in an environment where somebody wants to, to dominate the conversation. Uh, Don't get me wrong, there are situations where naturally a person who happens to have either more experience or um, for whatever reason, they might naturally, you know, uh, gravitate towards a specific person and then they end up uh, talking more. But that's natural, not, you know, uh, habitual, which is a different thing. Look for indicators like, I don't know. Right. right. Let's see. Let's think about this. Right. Let's try to figure this out. Like these are the these are the questions that like you want to hear that show that somebody wants to investigate and they're okay with, you know, saying they don't know. You know, Absolutely. I, and I think I tend to value I don't know way more than people who are very certain uh about what you should do in X, Y, or Z. Um, so yeah. Yeah, that's that's meta humility, right? Right there, right? I mean, and that's this is this is incredibly important, remembering that, that we don't know. Uh, mm-hmm. But but at the same time, that doesn't like the fact, you know, you say the and I, and I do too, you, we say the words, I don't know, it doesn't mean we don't act. That's the difference, right? I don't know versus I don't act is are two different things. I don't know. And yet I have to act, yeah, which means. I don't know, but here are some general heuristics that I have about this spot. This is what I understand about the situation in general. So I'm not exactly sure, but this is what I think is the best, right? That uh, basically means that this is the action you're taking and you leave the door open for further investigation down the line. Absolutely. And speaking of heuristics, what are some good heuristics we can use to, uh, to deal with uncertainty? I think that as it relates to poker in the micro sense, you should capture when you're uncertain. You should capture the scenarios. You should bucket them. You should figure out where you're unsure, where you're struggling. I think these are, you know, just gaining an awareness of that feeling that you feel when you don't know, which should be a feeling we're all familiar with, I hope anyway, um, because I feel it like 
every day, all the time, (laughs) 24-7, right? Um, So like when you have an awareness of that feeling, use it as a tool to investigate and learn and grow as a poker player Um, instead of just dismissing it, right? Or wanting to will it away and asking people, what what is the answer here, right? Because most of the time in poker, there's not an answer. Um, You know, there's a bunch of answers, but you get an opinion on, you know, a hand from five different players, a hand that's particularly tricky, their opinion is probably going to be all be different, right? right? Which, yeah, just shows you the level of like um, uncertainty that that there is, and how we're all trying to just do the best that we can with the information that we have. Absolutely. So identification, identification would be number one. Um, how about? Um, and that was the thing I wanted to I forgot to mention it earlier. The how about the students who keep uh, asking me? Uh, well, Duncan, you know. Uh, I don't know what my opponent has. I don't know if they have, like, you know, I have top pair, top kicker, let's say on that uh, 10-9-6, I have a stand, and I don't know if they have two pair plus, or who knows, like, at that point. And then should I raise for information, which is like the classic old, you know, question that people are doing, you know, when they're, they're starting out. You know, how do we answer to, to those people who uh, instinctively, they're trying to eliminate uncertainty as opposed to accept it and mitigate it? How do we answer to, to, to those students? I'm actually going to throw that back to you because, sure. you know, you, you run your college poker class and I'm sure that this is like something that you've thought about a ton. Um, so yeah, l- let me hear sure. your thoughts on this. Yeah, sure. Yeah. I mean, uh, this is something that in, indeed I, I have thought a lot and I think, um, again, it ties back to the idea that uh, we're uncertain about environment, uh, our environment, but we have to be certain about our action. So. Um, my, my, my answer is twofold. First of all, step one, we have to accept there is absolutely zero way, and I mean none, to know if we're ahead or behind in that situation. None. So we can, like in that specific hand, which actually immediately uh, makes their hand irrelevant because we can never possibly know whether we're ahead or behind. So the question then translates, and that at least that is something that I use as a heuristic. The question is, Given those circumstances, you know, after you do an analysis, which, you know, we can talk about for, for a long time, do you, if you, you're this, this is the second part of my answer anyway. So if you, your final answer is, I think more often than not, I'm going to be ahead, play your hand deterministically, certainly, confidently, as if you are ahead. So you have to essentially make your action be deterministic. You cannot allow the uncertainty of your environment spill into your decisions. So your decisions have to be certain one way or another. You have to go left or right. Of course, you're going to make that decision. It's, I'm not saying it's easy to decide whether you're going to make left or right. But my point is, once you decide I'm going to play this hand uh, as if I am ahead or ahead the range, if we want to be more, more elaborate, but I'm oversimplifying a little bit for a, uh, on, on purpose. So if you decide that you're going to play the hand as if you're ahead and you end up being behind, is completely irrelevant because you did the right thing with the information you had at the time. That's right. my point. So like people who say, oh, you know what, but they had a better hand. It doesn't matter. What was your thought process, right? So essentially the heuristic is we are completely ignoring our opponent's hand, which doesn't matter. So we're moving our thought process outside of the thing that we don't control. And that is the subtle point. We don't let uncertainty 
spill into our decisions. That's what I'm trying to say. Because if you decide to raise for information in a spot like this, you're basically letting uncertainty spill into your decision. You say, I'm not sure what I'm going to do. I'm going to raise. I'm still not sure. See what they do. And then I'm going to decide. No, 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 no. You either think you're ahead or you think you're behind. Which one is it? You can be wrong. I, I'm happy to be wrong. I want you to be wrong. I'm going to celebrate if you're wrong because then you can update your priors and you can be a, a better poker player, right? So, but which one is it? Do you think you're ahead or you're behind? Usually they have an answer. Yeah, so go, go just with it. reject the question, right? right, is right. The, the answer is just reject the question. I love that. And I right. couldn't have said it better myself. You know, the thing that you are in control of is how you think about the hand and breaking apart the data points that you're prioritizing, what you're seeing, what you're not seeing, and what you know about each uh, individual action and each individual decision point in the hand, and then what you know collectively about all the actions taken up to this point added together, right? That, that's the thing that you can upgrade to do a better job of hand reading and coming to better decisions, which is the ultimate end goal. It, unfortunately, in this game, you just don't get to know exactly what villain had unless they're showing you. Um, so that that's all that you can work with. That's the only thing that is within your control is the way that you think about the hand, um, upgrading that, and then moving on from there. So ultimately, you know, you have to embrace that uncertainty that, that you'll never know. Absolutely. And, and also be like, train yourself to be happy with your decision. I have a, an example in the book where, you know, Alex, you know, plays against, uh, you know, uh, a hand against the old man coffee kind of opponent, right? And she has, uh, I believe the hand is, I, I wrote it a while ago, but she has like something like Queen Jack on the Jack XX board. Uh, she bets and she gets like big check raised and she folds her top pair, you know, third kicker or whatever. And uh, Old Man Coffee shows the good old 10 deuce. I had the Bronson, he says. And he's, and Alex says, I made the right decision. I folded the best hand and I'm happy with it. Why? <laughs> because I would fold here every single time, nothing to think about. Right? Because Alex does, of course, she's an idealistic character, but she doesn't let uncertainty spill into the certainty of her decisions, Right, basically. And that's the, the one thing that Alex could have done, too, is like upgrade her uh, priors. Yeah. Yeah, her information about that specific villain and use that as a future data point um, if the scenario comes up for one reason or another, right? Just something, an extra data point to think about. So it's just like... Another thing to think about this specific player in the future to help guide your decision-making. So like that's the win, right? That That's what you win in that situation is you win information, you, you win um, knowledge and, and possibly a better game plan against that specific opponent moving forward into the future. So yeah, I think that's a great example. It's like you, you fold, I mean, I mean, and this is like poker is ripe with this, right? You fold the best hand quite often you fold right. a hand that would have won quite often right um that's just if you, if you don't fold the best hand. hand sometimes you don't fold enough right? exactly and if you never get caught bluff catch or if you never get caught bluffing you're not bluffing enough either right, right. like you that's don't caught. want all your bluffs to go through because that that's means right. that you're you're bluffing too infrequently you want to get bluff caught um, because really if you look at risk first reward and just imagine that you bet like pot on the river um you know your bluff needs to go through like more than 50 percent of the time so if it goes through 60 guess what? You, you're, you're making money in this bluffing opportunity. And so like you can get bluff caught 40% of the time you win six out of four, you end up making money. You're happy about that outcome. Whereas if you never bluffed, you're at, you know, zero for this situation and you've left money on the table. So yeah, anyway, uh, poker is just this weird ass world where you can make positive EV decisions that make money 
um, and you just get crushed and you have to say, thank you, I'll, I'll have another. Um, exactly right. I, I think I think you're, uh, you're half joking, but I think this might actually be uh, the secret sauce for some people, right? Because the idea that you lose with the best hand uh, because you actually fold it and you say, uh, great, like imagine a situation where your opponent shows you the worst hand and you still fold because you think it's the right thing to do. If you can reach to that point where, you know, mine is your opponent literally showing you their cards. Well, if they literally fold. show you and you still know, fold, I, you got some problems. You got some real problems, right? <laughs> but but I, I would argue, I would argue that then you've reached to a point of nearly Zen where like really my opponent's cards don't don't matter. Of course, of course we're gonna we're gonna call. That's not the point. But the point that I'm trying to make is right. You, you know the point that I'm trying to make. Like that, that thank you that you said. Right. You know. I think that's that that that's another thing too. It's like you you have convinced yourself that well it doesn't matter because if we go back in time we're gonna do the same thing with the information we have. So you're literally tying your decision based on the available information versus. The you know the, um, the, the, the 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 hidden information. I think that is uh, something as subtle and difficult as it can be as it can be important. You know, to, yeah. like it's the confidence in the moment, the near arrogance confidence that I'm folding that hand. I don't care what you have <laughs> because that's the arrogance of the deterministic decision, right? And it's. It's not intuitive, I, I think. Um, it's something that happens in the, in the Wolf program quite often is we're doing hand reviews and like, you know, we'll, we'll be looking at like however many hands, 50 hands, and they'll bluff catch like five times in a row, um, lose every single bluff catch. And at the end of every hand, it's like, well played, well played, well played, well played, good call, well played, right? And it's like, they're getting negative feedback, they're getting destroyed, and the coaches are telling them, no, 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 good hand, well played, well played, right? Um, and that's just, it's a tough paradigm to get to in this space. But as poker players, this is where you need to be. You need to be able to say like, well, well, I played this hand well. I know I played it well, even though I lost, right? I think it's just, that's the nature of the game. What we're trying to do is make good decisions, um, plus EV decisions that we can measure and analyze and look at and if we do well then we do right it's like you get it in with kings pre five times in a row um and villain has aces every single time right you didn't make bad decisions you just did what you're supposed to do and you move on and then you keep getting it in with kings and over time you're going to make money but on you know with limited sample size and by the way most everything is a limited sample size you know right. i'm doing database analysis right now with greatness village um did like a limited time sale i, I sold sold out already i sold 10 of them and fifty thousand hands right? right you can see like pre-flop information you can't really see high level post-flop information um can't see high level post-flop information on, on like the turn for instance over a 50k hand sample because like we're three bet pots on the turn out of position as pre-flop caller you, you just don't get in that many situations to really mm -hmm. learn a ton so it's mostly top level and when you think about that like holy shit, fifty thousand hands is not that many hands it's not and and, and, and to make matters even worse you can see that even pre-flop you see like noisy things like for example people you know getting in more with kings than aces for example just a little bit you know because yeah. there's noise and fluctuation even pre-flop or, or like you know you're calling 
you're, you're defending more facing an EP open from the big blind than an MP open, right? Right, right, right. And yet, you know, these are all strong players who, you know, have ranges and are trained. And it's just in this 50K data set, they just didn't face as many preflop opens from early position and have right. hands to defend with, right? So it's like there, there's a lot of noise even in a 50K hand sample, which is more hands than most people will play. Like maybe in their lives. Oh yeah. Right? Oh yeah. Most Especially people, for sure. like live players, right? You get 30 yeah. hands an hour. I mean, I, I can't even uh, do the math on how many hours it would take <laughs> to make 50,000 and you don't, you can't even comb through and look back. So it just shows you how flawed, um, how flawed we are as humans and how like limited data sets can influence us and bias, bi uh, create biases negatively. And so like the one thing that is in your control is how you think about these situations. And okay. that's the thing that you can control. Um, and that's it. Other than that, you just say, okay, this is an uncertain world. I'm going to do the best that I can um, and have confidence in the, the situations that merit me having confidence and have humility when I realize I am not certain about this situation, right? That's right. And I, the only thing that would, I would add to that paradigm is also where you focus your attention, right? And in the, the things that you can control, but also you're focusing your attention not on your opponent's cards, but rather on the situation. And I know this is very, very, very subtle because what I'm saying is that if you're actually focusing on the situation, you, the, the, the cards of your opponent become irrelevant. And I cannot stress that enough. Like the moment where literally the cards of your opponent become irrelevant in your mind, you think you, you feel it in your bones. I think that's where you can have a transformative experience as a, as a poker player. The cards of your opponent are irrelevant, right? They only matter for future hands, not for the present hands. It doesn't matter what your opponent shows you at the end of the hand at all. Yeah. Well, and as one final, one final point here, I would say they are relevant to... As you just said, I just want to state it. Like, yes, they, it is relevant after the hand, right? Like, right. if you after get surprised, hand, right. like in the hand that I talked about, where like we thought villain, uh, you know, would most always bet their sets or their strong hands on this board, they wouldn't check back those type of hands, and then villain shows up with a hand that they did check back that was one of those hands top set. Um, then th that gives you like a potential opportunity to upgrade how you see that situation moving forward into the future. So when you get surprised, when villain shows up with something totally unexpected, that's another indicator that like, you need to think about this situation more because you're missing some pieces here. There, there are things and opportunities to learn about, about this situation and uh, how villains construct ranges and all, all that jazz. But you still play the hand correctly based on the assumptions Correct. you made. You based thought... on the information right. you have. Like yeah. if I had, yeah. You know, if I could count the number of times where like, you know, I, I wish I would have seen a hand before I played another hand against right. that same villain, right. uh, you know, it's just, it's cost me millions of dollars over my career where it's like, sure. you know, you bluff catch against a guy that you don't know anything about. And then you sit there and you watch him never bluff again for the next year. Right. It's like, oh, cool. Like, but you don't have that information. Right. And as you collect information, and then use that information to upgrade how you think. You know, this is the path of a poker player. You're capturing data points. You're capturing information. You're constantly calibrating how you think about these situations and how these opponents play and what your alternative counter strategy should be. Um, this is like, you have to love this aspect of the game because this is the game of poker. This is the game. Exactly. Exactly. This, this, this is literally the, the, the game. Exactly correct. Yeah. yeah. Cool, man. I, I think yeah. great stuff. And... 
I, I think we can um, put a pin in here. I'm uncertain about calling it right now, but it is what it is. Uh, so think, am I, but things went well. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're very uncertain about things right now. So have a good week. We hope you do. We don't know if you will or not, and we'll catch you next time. Likewise. Take care, man. Thanks for listening to Chasing Poker Greatness. You can subscribe on Apple Podcasts or on your favorite podcast app. Go to ChasingPokerGreatness.com to get the newsletter. Join the Greatness Village community, book a coaching session, or dive into the latest data-driven poker courses. Follow the show on Twitter at CPG Podcast.